Welcome to Chaos People, the science and technology podcast that embraces the chaos. Your hosts are computational geneticist, evolutionary biologist, and Trekkie, Phil, and data scientist, artificial intelligence expert, and coding guru, Nick. Enjoy the show. Oh, hello. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. All right. All... He, he doesn't do that in True Detective, does he? No, I don't think so. Where was that from? Yo, I just, I didn't know before True Detective, like, he was just known for rom-coms and shit. That was, like, his big break into, like... Yeah, we're referencing Matthew McConaughey. Um, no, he was, uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, he was in um, Days and Confused. Which is kind of like a rom-com, right? No. Days and Confused. What was that about? Dude, that was just a drug movie. Oh, like high school it was like a college movie. drug movie, right? Yeah, and he was like, playing a creep. Oh, was he? Yeah, there's like the, the famous line. Oh, that's where all right over. Oh, oh, I, I, I keep, they keep, wait. I keep getting older. They say the same age. Yep. That, that, yeah. that's, I didn't realize that was from that. I, I'm pretty sure he says it in the film. Yeah. yeah. He's like the creep. But yeah, I watched True Detective season one for the first time. I think that's probably one of the best, you know, what is it? Eight episodes of television ever. Yeah. So this man, like, I think like two weeks ago, I was like, have you ever seen True Detective? And he's like, yeah, I kind of like watched the first episode and I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> so I watched it like 2014. So like, I don't like crime like stuff at all. I think they suck. Well, you, have to, you have to qualify that. Like CSI or, you know, law and order. I, I just hate that shit. It's just so boring oh, to me. Yeah, they, they suck. Sure. But what about like, Breaking Bad, right? I would consider that a crime. No, no. So that's I mean, like detective, I guess. Okay, like police, like a, ch- uh, a cat Fargo. mouse. I think movies are different. I, I think w- with television, what you can do in like forty-five minutes for an episode, yeah, is gonna be cliche shit. It's gonna be easily like, you know, if you it's know, episodic. Who- I agree. Yeah, and it's like you can find out who the guy is pretty easily, right? Yeah. You only have 45 minutes to do it. So it's too short. But if it's like a two-hour movie, it's like perfect. But then if it's like eight episodes long, um, it was, it's just too slow for me. Or it was mm. too slow for me initially. And I think that's my thing with it. There's no there's no pull. And I pushed through the first two episodes. And then like second episode in, I was like, oh, I, it's not about the, it's not about, uh, the crime anymore. It's yeah. about Rust. Yeah. It's about Matthew McConaughey's character. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, per- perfect chaos person. He is a complete chaos person. Yeah. 100%. He taps into that, whatever that is. You know what I'm saying? Like that, um, yeah. the absurdity of life part. Although it kind of in the, is in the pessimistic perception of absurdism. It's well, it's like, like he said, he it. would consider himself a realist, but philosophically he'd be considered a pessimist. I think that's how he's, how he coined it, right? Yeah, he's a realist first, and then, like, yeah, yeah but he's a pessimist. And I, there's, yeah, like, philosophical kind of definitions for both of those, and I think he re- represents that in general. Yeah. But he taps into a lot of the absurdity of it all. Yeah. And a lot of people who are realists don't realize there's a difference between, like, a materialist and absurdist. You can see the absurdity of things, and lack the practical kind of appreciation for things. Give me an example. So you can go so chaos that like you can't even connect one idea to another almost, mm. right? Like say like 
in, in this case, he loses his uh, daughter, right? And then he goes in complete chaos mode and now can't connect reality. His connection to reality uh, has, it's thinner. Yeah. And he's, it's he's, almost severed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like he's taken away from the concept of family away from himself. And so he's kind of taken away like the practicality of things of what is in reality could have huge benefit with him, but he doesn't accept it anymore because it's just too foreign and absurdism kind of takes every, makes everything kind of foreign to you kind of takes away the um, connection away. It just is what it is. The chaos of it, right? The pure, just, it's like you're, you're watching a film of yourself yeah, and it doesn't matter. You just, this kind of, one little MPEG file on this huge directory of MPEG files on earth and of history and everything. And just one file of it. So like, fuck it. Right. Yeah. You could go nihilistic, you go whatever. And he, it's like pessimistic view of that MPEG file. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I see. But you can take control of, and I think he does in the end where there's a light in the darkness. Yeah. Right. And you can find beauty and you know uh, worth because i think he found worth in the end and acceptance of his daughter's death and everything uh towards the end yeah i think so too um it seems like he's more guided towards a, a goal um i think the last line of the show which is you know i don't know if you asked me you know all there used all there was at some point all there was was darkness and it seems to me that the light is winning, right? So that's or light is gaining power, or whatever he says, right. something like that. And um, that line right there tells you that he has like a totally different outlook on on life, right? Yeah, it, it reminds me of when I was going through, like, you know, deep dark absurdism. Um, I was quite nihilistic and like the you know the significance of things, right? I lost the the sense of significance once you, once you question significance of anything or of one thing you can start questioning the significance of everything yeah and it's attachment to you like why should one like why should the birth of your your child mean any more than as a moment than you washing dishes right you're, you're breathing you're alive you should appreciate the entire thing and if you can't do that then there's no compass for anything it's just arbitrary and the, the sense of how arbitrary um, your compass is in absurdism takes away this feeling that, oh, I could just, it doesn't matter at all anyway. It's just all hot garbage. And you go in this pessimistic kind of spiral. Um, the only way, it, it's like you've um, normalized everything to almost a negative. Everything's now ne- just negative. Just mm. everything just shit. Everything just chaos. But what you can do is you can raise the ante. And I think he does, does this towards the end. You can raise that that bar a little bit, you know, to, to net positive. You can yeah. appreciate things. You can appreciate everything. Like that could be your compass. And, you know, the, the only way I kind of made sense of it in my mind is like, I got to accept that I'm per, a human and I'm going to experience human things. Mm-hmm. So just fucking enjoy that. While also raising the ante of like how absurdist and beautiful the the absurdity of all of it is, whereas he went negative, 
everything's all chaos and, and insignificant. And anything that I experience within, um, you know, that you waver on that kind of med- that median, that net negative median, yeah. it's still going to be negative anyway. It just doesn't matter. I don't know if I'm explaining this properly. I, like, I think so. I guess the way to... Uh, do you think his realizations in the last episode is going to change the way he does... Well, I know he's not a cop anymore, but let's pretend he was. Would it change the way he does detective work? Or he's, is he still the best detective in the world because of his nihilism, absurdism, disconnection from reality? That's that's a good question. What do you... Yeah, the 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 life after true detective right like what what is rust like afterwards well, let's assume he was still a cop because i know he's not you know at the end of true detective yeah. he's not a cop well he might want to be a cop again maybe because of it because he found almost worth in being a hero almost yeah yeah so i think there's a sense of like he can get back to to doing what he found his life's work and worth but how does it affect his day to day? Because like, you remember, there's a there's a line where he says, "I don't know if it's the job that's good for me or I was good for the job, right?" And do you need to be a Rustin Cole to be an ex- excellent detective? Like Rustin Cole before he had that realization, right, in the hospital? Yeah, I don't think you need to be a Rustin Cole yeah. to to do to be a good detective. I don't think at all. I think. A Russian Cole does have access to certain ideas, more available, like you know, more dangerous thoughts available than other people. Does that make you more connected to people who are bad? True. Yeah. I think you're able to, um, I want to say, empathize, but put yourself in a bad person's yeah. shoes easier because you're. It's all chaos anyway. In your b- mind. There's no attachment to like morality necessarily. You yeah. just like okay, I'm gonna think of myself as that person. Like just you're, there's no um filter. Yeah, there's doors a lot. I think there's moral codes that we all have, and like if, if you know, a person who's like a, a cannibal or whatever, right? Like it's hard to put yourself in that person's shoes if you have this strong moral code against it, right? Yeah, like you can't even imagine it. But I think you and I, a little bit, that's a little thinner. We can imagine ourselves eating person given the uh, circumstance or whatever life's throws at you yeah. whether it's like the uh, the andes chilean accident where we're just like thrown into a snowy blizzard with like you know your friend's butts available you just start eating their butts yeah yeah i think there's a sense of um we're able to to traverse those moral filters a little easier i agree i i always said that if i wasn't doing this job the only, I think the only other job in the world that make me happy is probably being a, a detective because I can go in those really fucked up places, man. And it doesn't, I don't need to take a substance to do that. I could just go there, you know? Um, whereas I think a lot of ordered people, if they heard, if I was in a room and I was in a murder scene and I said, well, maybe he was, maybe he did X after this. And that might scare like people. Like, how? Why would you think that? I'm like, well, why wouldn't you think that? You know. And I think it's like, I don't think orderly people with ordered minds would make good detectives. I really don't. Um, it's just not. You have to go in really weird places to connect dots. Sometimes. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, your simulation of humanity has to be much 
the the breadth of it has to be much wider yeah. than you know having one moral filter for it, right? Which removes a lot of what you can simulate in your head, what a person can do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I, I think. Yeah, I think Rust's kind of. He, 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 it's just perfect. It's a perfect character. Yeah. Um, cause he goes, it's almost like, um, there's a, uh, there's a rise and a fall and another rise, right? But, but maybe he was always up there. He was always in a state of, or maybe he was always suffering. Always suffering? Yeah. yeah. Maybe he was just on experiencing the death of his child so intimately and deeply. That it corrupted, you know, hit all of his codes until the very end where he finally accepted her, her death. Yeah. I think that fundamentally changed the human being. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I hope I never know, but it's got to be, man. But like <laughs> chaos people for sure. You said cannibal. <laughs> yeah. And I remembered something. Remember when I said in a previous episode that Captain Cook was eaten? Yeah. He actually wasn't. He wasn't eaten? But he was cooked. Oh, so Captain's cooked. He actually was cooked, but he wasn't oh. eaten. So apparently, the during that time, the Hawaiians mm-hmm. in that area, they believed that a person's power resides in their bones. And in order to extract the bones, you have to cook the body. So, so like he was, ma- they were making ramen, basically, like bone broth. <laughs> yeah, holy shit! But apparently, they kept his bones. They didn't eat him. They kept his bones and then gave the rest of his stuff to remnants, basically pieces of him, to his crew. What do you mean remnants? Like whatever was left. Of After him. the bone broth? Well, they didn't make a broth. They just kept his bones. Wait, wait but they have As to like remove... Relics. How, do they, how do they remove the flesh and everything? By cooking him. So, so like, you put it in stew and then... I don't know the vessel, but, like, the funny thing is, is that, like, you know... Because uh, I looked it up. I was like, wait a second. You know, is this really true? Because this guy, this random tour guide told me this, right? Right, right, right. Lo and behold... People were like, yeah, the, the, the experts are like, no, he. they didn't eat him. They weren't cannibals. But they did believe that a person's power resides in their bones, and they would make relics out of the bones and keep them. I see. It's like artifacts. Yeah. But not the actual. But in order to get the bones out, you gotta. It, the easiest method they had was cooking the body down so you can remove them easily. How do they cook them? Like water? They didn't say. Barbecue? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, a good barbecue, I'm, it's, you know, I'm meat off the barbecue. bone. That's what I'm thinking. So meat off the bone barbecue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. But then I'm thinking to myself, you shouldn't let that meat go, man. Come on, you got it. Oh, you got that meat. <laughs> that's the moral. Co- that's chaos, people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, there. That's insane. But I'm, ass- I'm assuming he was dead before. Yeah, they bludgeoned him to death. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's not cool. No, nothing is cool about that whole story. No, it's a fucked up story. It's a fucked up. <laughs> anyway, I'm really glad you watched it, man. Because like that show, man, I just. So it's funny, you and my brother watch it the same time. Oh. For the first time. Oh, he shit, watched okay. it last week, too, for the first yeah, time. Yeah, I just binged maybe within three days. Was it finished? And we totally missed that conversation when we were talking a couple of days ago when we recorded mm-hmm. the addiction episode. Um, but yeah, you guys could have went probably riffed on that, too, because you guys had just watched it. Yeah, no. It, it would be interesting to, to hear from him, like his site. Like, I just came from, like, you know, a similar ish background yeah. of, like, because I, I don't know if he taps into that chaos he does, mentality uh, as much. He does. Yeah. His okay. mind goes there for sure. I see. I wonder if everyone has access to it. Or it's more like... Because such a, uh, a lot of people like the show, which yeah. means like everyone probably has that in them. A little bit of rust in them. 
I think so. Um, so what do you think it is then? Do you think people are just afraid to express it or don't want to, don't want to keep it in their mind's eye? I think it's very real. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's truth. It removes, That's why it removes the uh, sugar coating of life. Yeah. Yeah. People like the sugar on top. Yeah. yeah. People are a little too diabetic about, you know, the good stuff yeah. and like having values. Having values is sugar. Yeah. Having values is sugar. Yeah. Well, I, I would argue that values come from morality and morality comes from evolution. Game theory. So I don't know. I, I think that... No, I think morality is, yeah, game theory initially, but then now it's more like the theater of it. Right? It's the... Th- you, you need you yeah. need the morality of not killing a person, and, and that's kind of taught through theater, not taught through game theory. I don't think mm. you don't teach a child. Uh, you teach a child game theory, I guess, but you don't teach a child. Well, no, you can do both, because you could teach a child, hey, Jesus won't like that, or whatever, yeah. right? Or Santa Cla- Santa won't like that. <laughs> you do theater, right? You you kind of make this thing where this something bigger than you is going to judge you, right? Yeah. That's theater. That's sh- that's sugar. That's not real. That's like something that you you put on top of what's real. What's real is game theory, I, I would agree. Mm. But it's not... That's a simulation you have to do in your head. And that takes intelligence. That takes work to do. I don't think people like to think about that. I think people like to be told the recipe for their morality. Yeah, I think so too. And then that kind of fuck makes everything fucky because then you have cults and you have different whole systems of morality that you can attach onto it, go religion or whatever. And then true detective, it's like the religion, right? Yeah, it's 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 a cult. It's a cult that yeah normalized sacrificing, normalized killing. Yep, uh, doing horrible things to children. Yeah, it was it was a. Uh... What do you think about that? Times a flat circle. Eh. I- I thought it landed kind of flat to me. Not, flat not circle landed yeah. flat. It was flat to me. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but it's like um, I didn't. Uh, I, maybe I'm too dumb to understand what it truly, truly meant. Do you think it's literal or symbolic? Meaning that, okay, there's a couple of different ways to look at this. Literal would be that the universe recycles itself, and you literally go through the same thing over and over again for eternity. Right, like the um, eternal. Um, the Nietzschean concept like loop, of like, basically. yeah, eternal reoccurrence or whatever, yeah. And then they, I assume they consider it literal because they say death is not the end, right? So, you, so you're assuming that there's another iteration that happens after you die or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. So I think they're being literal, the cult. But then there's, then, then you can get kind of crazy, like you can get kind of like a little bit more um, interesting with it where do we make the same mistakes through our life over and over again, right? Is that what they're saying? Or it, or are they saying that every lifetime you come back, you do a similar, but not similar set of things, right? So there's all these different iterations of what they're trying to say there, but I don't know exactly what it is. Yeah, but Russ kind of goes into, in the interview, you know, he crushes a can yeah. and like it's a circle. I don't know if, if it was like what he thought as well. Like he, he has this absurdist viewpoint on it we're destined to make the same mistakes over and over or something like that yeah same room same right or is it from the cult right yeah because i I don't i know from the cult they don't think you know the metaphysical structure of death isn't real right it's just this kind of thing that you just go around and around in Mm. 
But maybe, yeah. Because that's what he saw before um, before that guy uh, beat the crap out of him. Mm-hmm. He's, I think he saw that Corcosa, Car- whatever it is, that like black hole-looking thing that he saw. And you know Russ has issues with um, like previous drug use gives him flashbacks and stuff like that. Uh, but that was a pretty vivid like image that he saw of like whatever that was, a collapsing star or like a black hole or whatever that was. And I think that was like that whole Carcosa thing. Like that's the place that was like the afterlife or that dark place or something like that. And I, I didn't know what that was. You know, I don't know what that was trying to symbolize. I have no idea. But yeah, I mean, the idea of uh, eternal recurrence is like you're going to live. It, it's uh it's a simulation on what kind of life you want to live. Mm. Are you okay live, living with the decision you made f- eternally? Are you okay living with each decision you make? Each decision eternally. you make eternally. Because it's the only decision you'll make and it's going to keep on going forever. It's That's it, baby. And you're going to make that decision over and over again. Well, see, that's what, what do you mean by that? I don't understand. So it, you, you, if you do the simulation, the eternal, eternal recurrence... Oh, the actual simulation of cyclical. Imagine if your life yeah. was just done over and over again. Gotcha. And that you'll make that decision over and over again. Yes. Right? You might change your behavior based on that simulation. And I think that's what Nietzsche kind of wanted to get mm-hmm. on. Like, are you comfortable, dude, making this decision? Will you be happy? Or do you think it's up to whatever standard that you have? Think about how, you know, you in the future would perceive this. Mm-hmm. Think about how you in the past would view this. Like, there's a certain kind of pure committing to the moment, even though even though it might not be true, right? Because it's, it's like a metaphysical structure on what reality is, this eternal occurrence. It's a good simulation to do in your head if when you make a decision. Are you fucking comfortable with that? That decision. You're going to live forever. Like, right? It's not going to be a hell or heaven. It's just going to be your life over and over and over again. Think about what kind of hell that is if you make a bad decision. Terrible. Yeah. So be good. Damn. And maybe that's what the circle is. Maybe. Marty didn't learn from his first mistake. <laughs> <laughs> no. Marty was... You know what was cool about that? I thought the the character um, uh, Marty, you know, portrayed by Woody Harrelson. Yeah. I thought Woody Harrelson would be would have been a good Rusty initially. Yeah, because Woody Harrelson already has that chaos person vibe to him. Like he's kind of typecast as like the I don't know conspiracy theorist kind of like wooly yeah, guy, that's true. right? Um, so I thought, yeah, he would have been a good Rusty. Like towards the beginning, of the season, like fucking. Matthew McConaughey should play Marty because playing the straight man, and then Marty should or uh, Woody Harrelson should play play Rusty. Yeah. But then, as Matthew McConaughey grew on me, he was like, "No, he's perfect for it." It, it. Yeah, he was perfect. Yeah. It was like, yeah, I I think it's because uh, he's broody. Marty's broody. No, no, um, no, Rustin is broody. Yeah. Or Matthew McConaughey yeah. is a broody character versus like. Uh. Uh, Woody Harrelson is much more of a lighter kind of like run of the mill cop. The levity of, of absurdity, yeah. right? There's a certain levity to it. I think he has that. Yeah, where he's like, oh, he's like, oh, Jesus Christ! You're, like he, people say, I'm bad at parties. Like you're pretty bad outside of parties too. You know what I mean? He's yeah. like, <laughs> he's he's a jokey kind of. He's a Joker version of absurdism. Almost. Yeah. 
if, if you were to play that role. And I think that would have been too over the top for that character. I think it was perfect as is. Like, I see. Like a broody, darker portrayal of absurdism. Yeah. No, it was, uh, it was great. I, I think, uh, I think about it a lot now. Yeah, it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Uh, highly ranks up there, you know, with like, you know, the good season is seasons of Game of Thrones, uh, Breaking Bad. Like, it's it's up there with all that. Um, I think it's better than Breaking Bad. I think so too. I Even one than, season. Yeah, yeah. I heard season two and whatnot were, were not great, but so season two and season three, I've heard bad things about. Um, it's the same writer. Different. It's an anthological series, so it's a different, completely different story, different cast. Um, I've heard season three got a little bit better, but then in season four, which just came out actually, um, they replaced him, uh, Pizzolatto's his last name, Italian guy, and, uh, they replaced him with another writer. Now, I've, I don't want to spoil anything, but I've watched the first two episodes of season four, and it's a direct sequel to season one. Oh, damn. So they tap into that world again. It's in Alaska, set in Alaska. But it's, uh, I think it's a very, very direct signal, sequel. I, I, it's gotten mixed reviews, believe it or not. I think it, I think it was good. Um, and, but they talk about Rust's dad in it. Um, he's, uh, you know, so he, they talk about that. You know, the, the, the spiral they kept finding everywhere. Yeah. yeah the, so they're, they're seeing that up in Alaska too. So I think it's connected to the same cult. I see. Yeah. yeah. Cause they didn't resolve. Um, they resolved the the serial killer part of that, but they didn't resolve like the cult, right? Right. Part of it in season one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you you could kind of tell it's much bigger uh, with that you know that Tuttle group that was doing the yeah yeah he was just one member of it or something right right yeah oh sorry what did you think of the scene where they um they attacked that house like season four where they were uh, or sorry episode four where they get to that house and. Uh, and like the kids are there and everything. And then, yeah, and then Marty. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought that was uh, that was an intense scene. Yeah, and because like in the background, because there's, there's a the interview, right? This right. present interview of it, uh, describing what happened, but it's completely like Rashomon, like completely something completely different is going on with what they're narrating, and so you see how um, I don't want to spoil. We're gonna spoil it anyway. I think at this, it's like what fourteen years ago. No, it was like ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's fine. I think. Uh, spoilers. Uh, Marty shoots the. Um, it's like drug dealer. Yeah, he was like. I think he was part of the criminal. I think he was part of the organization. Though. I think he's yeah. part of the, yeah one yeah. of the cultists. I think. Yeah. Um, they shoots him in the head after he realizes there's two kids locked in, um, inside the house mm-hmm. and they've been fucked up or whatever. Yeah. And he just can't. It's like um, it's like in Godfather Part One where, uh, you know. Um, Michael kills Michael just goes yeah just like you can feel like oh shit shit's gonna go down you can see how he's gonna break his code like the moment he breaks his code and Marty's moral code just shatters and he just fucking executes a guy who's like already handcuffed and everything yeah in the head and then of course um, Rust in his own sense of morality right needs to cover for Marty and starts killing everyone or killing the other guy and creating a scene and then covers it all up yeah, with the story, covers it up. Yeah, which is which was uh, a weird sense of growth on not a growth, but like I don't think Rust would have executed. No, he wouldn't. Right? Have. No, he wouldn't have because 
it, it's interesting how moral codes shatter, like when that ha- shatters. Or if you have a moral code, or if you have less of a moral code, then it's not as easy to shatter. Like if Rust saw those two kids, I think one was dead already. One was dead, yeah. I don't think, I don't think Marty knew that at the time, though. No, 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 but Marty experienced it firsthand, and he just went—he just went nuts, right? Whereas Russ is already kind of nuts. If he saw it, I don't think he would have. Russ would have been like, "Ah, oh, another dead body, right? Yeah, fuck. Or, or another shitty right. thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I don't. I, yeah, I don't know how that would have worked, but I don't think he would have done it. No, I think he would have like saw it for what it was, you yeah. know, and then just been like, "All right, let's get this guy in jail," you know. That that's basically it. Yeah, because you could see it even later, right? The other most powerful scene, I think, was the one where they're in the projects. That single shot when he's undercover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like a fucking intense scene, dude. Yeah, it was It was like a beautiful action-coordinated scene. But I don't think it was like that powerful. The, the moment wasn't as Sorry, powerful. I guess what I meant to say... No, it wasn't powerful. But you could see how, how methodical Rust was in that moment. You can tell he's cool. Like, yeah. he's almost... Almost like eternal recurrence. Like he's in a flat circle. Yeah, he's like, I've seen He's already this before, experienced yeah. this before. Yeah. And he's just going with the flow, right? So I guess what I'm saying is that's how I know he wouldn't have killed that guy. Yeah, that's true. Because of how mechanical he was during that scene. He's just kind of his whole, he's just low hum of realities there. Yeah. I don't think bullets whizzing by has any more significance than... Yeah, him just sleeping. I think Marty would have been dead if it was him in that situation. Yeah, he would have, he would have yeah. been too in the moment. Yeah. Right. Now, I it, it, I wonder if Marty found the kids after um, Rust, if he would have executed them, right? Oh. And I think he would have. Hmm. You think so? If Rust walked in there, saw the kids, came back out and said, Marty, you know, there's kids in there. Yeah. He would have still killed the guy. Probably. Probably. I guess. That's interesting. Like, why would that matter? But I don't know. I don't know. No, I think he would have. Yeah. yeah. I think it was just a moral code was shattered. I think it was a very powerful moment because it, it did remind me of like the Godfather, kind of like how strong, when does a person change, right? Well, okay. So Michael, in that situation, Michael said he would kill Salazzo, right? He told everyone he would do it, right? Right, but people were, were but the action it. you're saying, like the moment where you see in his mind, he's like, "Okay, I'm going to do but this. I'm going to fucking do this." Yeah. Like you can see him f- flip the switch in his head. Yeah, right. Like you know, a lot the the scene prior to that was like a lot of like, "Oh, you're not going to do it." They were like shitting on him, like, you're, "This isn't for you." Like, "This isn't your world." Kind of conversation. Yeah, his like, his family was saying that to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's like, "No, I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to do it, bro." Yeah. And then, you know, him just like you could hear like. Uh, the, the subway in the back, like it gets louder and louder yep. and you can see the switch. He's looking at himself in the head. mirror. Yep. And he's, yeah. yeah, in the bathroom. And then he just pow, pow, right? Oh, you mean, okay, yeah, yeah. You mean when he actually shoots? Yeah. Yes. I think that's when the actual, the flip of the switch. But, but but remember, when he finds the gun in the bathroom, I'm pretty sure right after that, he looks at himself in the mirror, right? And I think a train goes by then too. It's like oh, both okay. times, I think. I could no, be I remember, wrong. No, but, I think, yeah, he gets the gun from the back. Yeah. Uh, I think he just like kind of cleans himself up a little kind bit. Of like, yeah, puts a little bit of water. In. Yeah, like right. kind of, yeah. But it's like you can see his face. Like, yeah, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna. This yeah. is this is this is it. This is it. Yeah, and this is too super dark. No, that's a great. It's one of the greatest scenes in movie history. That's that's um, yeah. 
I think it's important when characters have those experiences in a in a in a in a series, right? Yeah. Like if you're gonna make a a fucking series like that, you need those moments. Yeah. You build up a character, and then you want to see him change, right? In a moment, like whoa, like that's fucked up. Yeah, man. It's a great show. I, I loved it. Um, I'm yeah, really thanks glad for, you watched it. Yeah, thanks for recommending it. No, no problem. Um, all right. So let's completely <laughs> switch gears. <laughs> yeah. Asmund Gold got quote unquote canceled yesterday for saying something. Um, so we, we, we've we've on this chat we on this podcast we talked about this whole art thing a, a lot. Um, what does it mean? that AI can generate art quickly, uh, efficiently. It allows us to have art in our podcasts. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're part of whatever that culture is, right? Yeah. Of using AI art. And I, I think the argument started with video games and there was a, like one video game looked like it was copying from another anyway. But as Gold said, essentially his argument is there's no moral difference between art that's inspired by one artist to another or procedurally generated art, like, you know, an artist made a procedurally generated program to generate art. There's no moral difference between those things and what's happening with AI. And he he puts it in the frame of consumerism, though. And he's like, the reason why there's no difference is because the consumer decides what's right and wrong. And people are buying the game. People don't care how the sausage is made. They just want to taste the sausage, right? And if AI is making the sausage, who gives a fuck? Your, your, your feelings don't matter, artists, because the bottom line matters. And that is essentially what he said. Yeah. What's your stance on that? Okay. So I, I, I agree that it's, it's perfectly okay for an artist to get mad at the state of the world. Mm-hmm. But you can't, you can't expect the wheel to stop just because you're pissed off. The wheel is always going to move, right? Throughout history, the wheel keeps moving. There's no... Yeah. There's no stopping the wheel, right? It's like, so I think Asmogol could have said it in a better way. I think mm. that's why a lot of people got pissed off at him. But at the end, no one's opinion really fucking matters about anything. Well, I suppose there's a question of um, what art is this model trained on, right? Yeah. And if, it, if it's trained on your work and you don't want that to be part of their training set even though your work is publicly available yeah where do you land on that do you think the the person who created the model should retrain the model without it or try to untrain the model that, that's a whole discussion right now well you can't un, you can't put the thing you can't put the thing back in the box right i'm assuming a lot of the, so there's been work on trying to untrain models but currently the only standard is to retrain it with retrain without, with new data right? with new data and start that takes, from scratch yeah start from scratch i think it's probably a good idea to have artists opt in if they want their art used in AI training models. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee that people are going to listen or do it, right? right? People could just do it. Companies would be held to a higher standard, but people can do whatever they want. I think that, um, look, I think, I think that, I think that, yeah, artists should protect their intellectual property for sure. But I think what, what some artists actually responded to Asmongold on Twitter said is that artists should be incorporating AI as tools in their workflow instead of being scared of it. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that, but yeah. So, like you're, you're saying, the, the cat's out of the box. I think, and you can't, you know, 
got wrong with it. And I think we are, are my stance about it before, if you are a digital artist, right? You, you should do that. You should run with it, run with the cat because it is out of the box. These are open source models uh, and closed source. You, you can't control that community. It's out of your hands now. Yeah. Maybe you could do this thing where you could do a class action for all models, but that's going to be even hard to litigate. Um, because like, what are you going to do with open source, right? Like, yeah, who owns that? And the, someone, random person, can make it. You don't know what it's been trained on or whatever. Um, I th- I think our thing was like, y- your you should be an AI director at this point, AI art director mm-hmm. that you can control AI art, and that should be your responsibility as an artist. Like, run with it. I believe that artists do have a better sense for what's good art. And so that's what your standard is going to be. The thing is, like, if you are, um, yeah, a digital artist now training to be one, it does suck, right? Like, these people aren't, that they're completely, it's completely normal to feel that your worth is less with it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it literally is the first to go in AI. Yeah. The first professions. So, you know, have some have some compassion for these people. I think that's what uh that's why he's getting canceled because show compassion for the first professions to go. Yeah, because like uh, to be honest, <laughs> not that Asmogold probably cares cuz Asmogold has made enough money to retire, but Streaming is easily done by AI, in my opinion. You have a bot that creates a physical represent, uh, an artistic representation of itself. You know, and there's already streamers that do this. There's streamers that cover their body and use an AI art generated avatar, right? So you can have a streamer, you know, have an AI system built an avatar, build a voice around that avatar, read chat, and and just react to that chat. Now, you know, that's kind of like limited to just chatting streams, but you know, playing video games is a little bit different, but. You probably train an AI model play video games too, you know. Yeah, the, I think what Asmongold's also his stance was the value is created by the artist, and so no, the it, value is created by the people around the it, artist. Yeah, but to the market value is determined by the artist who sells it, right? So if I if I have a painting, yeah, and I think it's thirty bucks, I'm going to sell it for thirty bucks because I think it's worth that much. But what if no one buys it for thirty bucks? Then you have to adjust, right? AI art is always going to be cheaper than yeah. human art, right? I think that's just going to how, how it's going to be. And that's, you know, that one of the certain selling points of... Y- yes. But I would argue that the, the person made out of the robot, you know, Twitch streamer would not generate a lot of eyes because it's so cheap. It's, it feels cheap. But one day you're not going to be able to tell. Yeah, at that point, then it's kind of fucked, right? Yeah. Yeah, like if Asmongold suddenly switched to, you know, fake Asmin and we have no idea, then then that's unfair because like he's making a product saying he's human. Yeah. I think that's the error, the issue with this. I think AI art, as long as you say it's AI art, it's okay to me. Because then you're not being dishonest about what you're selling. This bacon here is made from this pig farm that's like, you know, it's like shoulder to shoulder. And yeah, you're going to eat. You're going to eat from that farm, dude. But, but, this, what, if, but what if the bacon tastes just as good as the bacon from the farm, but it's not from a pig? Yeah, but if you're an ethical purchaser or whatever, you might tr- buy the one that's more expensive. 
right? That's what they do in food anyway. There's organic shit and whatnot. Actually, Asmongold went through that as a part of his argument about organic food. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's about the the supply chain. Yeah, and if you are a um, perception. Yeah, if you are a person who's like have their own ethics about their what they want to purchase, then they might want to purchase non AI art games or non AI yeah. art whatever. Right? I think what was it? Uh, Cuphead was all you know hand drawn and whatnot, and it was beautiful. It looks like this old school. Um, do you know Cuphead? No. Yeah, Cuphead is like a it's like old school nineteen twenties like cartoon feel. Like it has like kind of um, it's a game. Yeah, it's a game, and it's like a side-scroll shooter. It's okay. beautiful. Yeah, it's like it has that feel. It captured that feel. But I think it was everything was hand drawn. It's like the same as oh, like oh, I know, I've seen it, I've seen it, I know what it is. Yep. Yeah, like like Ghibli movies and old Disney movies were yep. all hand drawn. There's a certain appreciation for it, and a certain um, uh, certain kind of market price to hand drawn things. And um, you know, when 3D came out, 3D is easier to animate than 2D. Yeah. Right, I think that's what makes it cheaper. It feels cheaper because it feels like there's less labor to it. That's true. I mean, when you know, when Toy Story first came out, right? Yeah. Initially, it was it kind of felt cheap, right? But the but the but the difference is Toy Story was good. Yeah, and I think it's like one of those things where it, the way I look at it is, and I think this is Asman's point: is, is it good? Yeah. Who gives a fuck? I think that's his point. Yeah, right. I, and and the consumer is not going to know, or the I want to say the unaware consumer, the consumer, the consumer is going to care less and less in time. Is right. it good or not? Is going to be the barometer for whether a product should be purchased or not. But what if I what if I created Cuphead without using? What if I created it using AI? They did. So there's one game where it's like a 3D shooter. Oh, so when um, uh, Steamboat Mickey Mouse, Steamboat Willie, yeah, yeah came uh was available like publicly available i think this one guy created um a 3d shooter with that style okay and it looks cool and everything and it's i think it's 3d gener or ai generated it's like what is that then i think it's a cool idea i think it's a cool idea yeah. i think it's fun i i don't think anyone i think as long as he said it's ai or you have to disclose maybe that sure it is okay right and then yeah. i think it's fine yeah. You have to be honest with the consumer, though. It has to be like that labeled as organic or non-organic. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that. But do you think, though, do you think the label should be um, part of the, uh, like, should the FDA say it's AI generated or not? To appease those people, I guess you have to. I don't care. I don't well, think organic food tastes better than normal food. It probably doesn't. It I probably don't doesn't. It, I don't think it's healthier either. It's just an ethical source of yeah, it, right? I just say, I, if you can show me a study that says it's healthier, then I believe you. If you show me no studies, I'm not going to believe you. Yeah, no. I think it's just the the, the ethics of the supply chain. Yeah. Like you, we're fucking recording this on a computer that has like lithium batteries, which is has needs cobalt and it's a cobalt mine in fucking Congo, and they're right, all fucking right. like has a baby strapped trapped to the chest, and exactly. they're, they're fucking mining this shit, right? And Asman's point was, you know. If you think it's unfair, give your house back to a Native American. Oh, you're yeah. not going to do that? Well, then shut the fuck up. That was his whole point, right? <laughs> it's just like, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I, his approach is a little crass, I will say that, but I appreciate that type of approach. Yeah. You know, and... and I think it's important for... I want to say capitalism determines it, but capitalism is going to determine it in the future. Like, there's going to be, like, artists, art, that's going to say, hey, it's made by a person. And that's going to be marketed way more. 
just like organic eggs are way more, you know, the price of yeah. it is way more. But it might be even the same fucking nutrition. Yes. It might even chemically, everything's the same. Yeah. A carbon copy of it with non-organic. Yep. But it's sold as organic. Yeah. And I think we're also going to have issues with labels in the future. Like what human art is. Or it's going to be the huge organic. It's like, it's like Wagyu. Okay. So not in Japan. Yep. But in America, Japan sold a bunch of Wagyu cows. Right. Back in the early 80s, I think. Then they stopped. The D, like the, the the fucking like the DNA of the 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 pure the Kobe whatever you want to call it the, the pure Japanese cows yeah right? wa wa is uh, means Japan and gyu is, is beef so wagyu just literally means Japanese wagyu okay yeah. Japanese beef beef yeah so they sold a bunch of cows to U S Australia Canada and then for some reason they stopped like five years they only did this and today there are cows or steers whatever that have like you know mere percents of, of Wagyu. But in America, there's no laws. So you can market it, guess what, as Wagyu. Yep. So American Wagyu doesn't mean fucking balls. Oh, it, damn. It doesn't mean anything, right? It just means that that cow has a percentage of like a great, 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 great grandparent that was a Japanese cow, right? Right. So I think what you're trying to say is going to be like that, right? It's going to be, we're going to have fucky things with labels in the future. It's going to be like, oh, this was 5% human generated. And they're just going to say it's human generated, right? But people are going to capitalize it. There's going to be people who fake AI art as human. Because, you know, 1% of it was made by a person. 1%, they drew one frame. And then like the rest was AI generated. They're, They're going to do that shit. And they're going to call it human generated art. It's going to be, you know like labels and shit and all that's going to happen in the future. Like where does your ethics lie in the supply chain of AI? Like where does it land? And he's, he, I think Asmongold is thinking way in the future. Yeah. Dude, it's not even going to fucking matter. Yeah. Like you're just going to buy this shit because it's just shit anyway. Yeah. And you're buying, going to buy the end product because it's going to be good. It just, whatever it is, the market's going to de- determine it and you're just going to shovel it in your face. Which is exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. But I think it's important to realize that this is a this is an important place in history because this is the first time ever. Well, okay, you you can say that the uh, steam engine and the printing press automated human jobs, fine. But I think this is the first time in human history that a job that has only extrinsic value, not intrinsic value, is partially being replaced by a machine. Right, art was never art was never generated outside of human hands. Right, ever. Maybe you can you can maybe use the claim that like a couple elephants in a zoo or a couple chimps did some art. Right, and people said that that was their art. Right, but this is the first time that a express a human expression right is being replaced or or modulated by a, 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 a machine, and that's a significant part of human history. I think. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, so have compassion, I guess, because it's happening. Yeah. And, you know, you, you fucking spend decades of your life thinking you're going to become this thing and it doesn't happen because of this. Like, you have to understand how it feels um, to lose that. Yeah. Like, your your worth, you know, the blood on your fingers is now just digitized, right? Yeah. It's like, that. no, that shit's real. That blood on my hand was real. Like, the, the fucking... Um, calluses in the middle knuckle that's real there's a fucking 
thing going on in your head that is real and it's beautiful and it's art. And now this thing just washes it, right? In, in the, this huge hose of content. It's not bad content either. It's very good. AI art is very, it looks good. I mean, and it's getting even better. We, in all of our clips and all of our podcast episodes, we use AI generated art. It wouldn't be possible to draw. It wouldn't be possible to make all of those frames of art in a week. It would not be possible. We would not yeah. be able to do what we're doing without the AI art. And I'm not ever going to claim that it's human art at all. Yeah. Yeah. This is just fucking art noise. It's pixel noise to me. But that's beautiful though. It looks nice. It, it, and well, it's beautiful I, to me because it represents how humans dream. It's a very similar process. It, it is. It's like, close your eyes. Like, this is what's happening literally with what's happening here. You close your eyes and you see the noise in your eyes, right? Like the kind of like scattery. Uh, I don't know what it is. Just kind of like your eyes resetting, mm-hmm. right? Use that noise and then you think of a concept like an elephant walking. That's what's happening in your in this thing. It's a diffusion model. Yeah. Kind of the the concept surfaces, and it, every every kind of step, it checks whether it's getting closer to that concept based on its training algorithm. That's what it is, right? That's what it is. And it's beautiful. Yeah. The thing is, I think people need to realize is that beauty doesn't have to come from human minds. Have you ever look look at the Grand Canyon? That's beautiful, right? It wasn't yeah. created by any man, right? Right. That art that maybe was created by a chimpanzee or an elephant. Some people are going to think it's beautiful. Yeah. That wasn't created by a human mind. Like, I don't, I think we need to also get away from the whole, like, it has to come from a human mind in order to be beautiful. Yes. And I think in the future, this is just going to be the way it is. Uh, human generated stuff is just going to be more, have more worth. It's going to be like the organic food. Yes. The organic food. Yeah. It's going to be just marketed different. Like, if you go to the Grand Canyon and you see with your own eyeballs, beautiful thing. But if you have, like, a fucking VR headset and you see the Grand Canyon and it looks as good, say it's pixel by whatever photon is exactly the same. Yeah. Is that the same thing? I don't know. That's a, that, that's a hard question to answer. If, yeah. if, it's, if it's the same, you know, experience, it's hard to say it's not the same thing. It's not the same, though, because you know you're not there. You know you're not there. Fine. Okay. That yeah. is the difference. Yeah. Right. So if the, the very idea that it wasn't generated by a person, that this is nature that you're seeing versus yeah. like, you know, AI generated Grand Canyon, right? Upscaled fivefold just so you know, your, your retinas can process it better, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And then you have to think to yourself, what if we get to the point where we generate AI that is just as complex, beautiful, and open as our minds? Then what do we have? What is that? Are we going to do the same thing? We're going to do the same thing that we've always done in, in, in movies. Label them. We're going to label them as robots. Label them as completely different. Replicant generated art. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. If, like in, uh, what is it? Um, uh, uh, Blade Runner, right? They just yeah, the they look like humans. Yeah. Yeah. They use them as... You gotta, labor, basically. Yeah, you have to literally scan their eyeballs when they're looking in a certain direction yeah. to know that they're not human. Yeah. Right? Like, that's how advanced... That's how far you have to go to find that yeah. little thing in their eyeball. Yeah, that's... But with the interaction with you, with another person, not knowing what they are, would that change? What do you mean? So, 
now we're in this place. It, it, I'm, it's so advanced. Would the treatment of people be different just because there might be replicants out there? Oh, you're saying that if you find out that someone is purely human, do you treat them better than you would today? Or worse. Or worse. Why worse? Because now you don't know they're human. Oh, you're okay. So you don't. So know. you would since have you this know. kind of. You so lower since the, you don't know, the, the anti, whole lo- yeah. thing lowers a little bit. The whole you think it, it morale, cheapens. Yeah. It cheapens morality. I think that's what. Yeah. I think that's what's so scary about like the AI generated art for artists. It cheapens the whole system. Hmm. So. So humanity, what drops? What what, what what drops? Your inter- interaction and the realness of it, right? AI or art was always real. You know, it's a fucking person's like blood and sweat, time. Okay, I, you're right. Now, when I see things, mm. I'm like, ah, I wonder. That's probably not. There probably has some AI help in it somewhere, right? And it cheapens my whole overall view of art. It does. You're right. It it, it has. Yeah. And if humanity is cloned or replicated, does that cheapen humanity? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think inevitably it will. The same interaction that we have with AI art. Whatever cheapening we do with that, humanity will be cheapened if we do that. It's like the median value of like yeah. worth is just, it just drops down. But why though, right? Asmongold is like, why? Why should it? No, Asmongold is like, no, this is going to happen. Let's just be real about it. Yeah. And it's a sad truth, but it, it is truth. It just cheapens it because our interaction with it initially is already cheaper. It's like the uniqueness I find in people. The uniqueness I find in you or anyone else. If we fast forward a hundred years from now, that uniqueness doesn't mean as much because I could, I could generate you if I wanted to. Potentially, yeah. if we're looking at the future, like how what, what's able to be done in the future. Yeah. If I'm able to generate a Nick or generate a Phil, then what the fuck do we? What do we matter? Right. Yeah. No, exactly. Like, yeah. it matters right now because we're actual people. We're interacting with one another. You arose through purely biological processes. Yeah. But what if, you know, the whole uploading a brain and everything, and you upload your brain, and I'm talking to this Phil. I'm not going to feel at all I'm talking to Phil. I'm just going to talk to a cheap version of it, even though it might even be better. Who knows what that means? (laughs) (laughs) Better, yeah. Yeah, maybe better, dude. Like a better version of you. You know what I'm saying? Like a better version of me. Yeah. Who knows what better means, but like you might have a better time with that. Damn. Scary, man. This is just the start of it though. It's, it's sad because like you can be aware of it and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And you're, I feel like you should have a very strong interaction with, with human generated things. I think it's important to have that, to have the empathy for it. Why? Just playing devil's advocate. Because I think it's good to have um, joy. What makes us so good? It's not about the the thing. It's about like if my kid draws me something, right? It's the same thing. Like I know how much time he spent on it and how much work he spent on it. Like I can see it in my eyes, right? Fucking uh, stable diffusion would just do that in 0.5 seconds. So effort means something. Yes, Effort definitely means something. I think we have to ask ourselves why, though. What about effort is good? What about it's just pure empathy, right? Empathy, e- empathy, because you work, you work hard. What if you, what, your worth is depending on how much work you spent in your life? 
What if I just shit on everything that you did? <laughs> Literally? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> right on your chest, bunny. Yeah, that would, that would suck. Yeah. Right. So I think it just comes from that. It's a game theory. It's morality that mm. comes from evolution. Like we appreciate things because we can see how much we struggled and we can see how much a person struggled to get there. Struggle has an intrinsic worth to humans. The game theoretically, yes. Yeah. Because we appreciate struggle. I think that's just a normal thing that you experience as a kid unless you're a sociopath. Yeah. It's just what it is. You think that's evolution? I'm trying should, to think I'm trying to understand the evolutionary reason why we would consider struggle or 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 toil worth something. Is it to take care of children? Potentially. It could be that like time spent towards actions leads to better survival. If you spend time rearing a child, the chances of that child reaching maturity are higher, chances of that child having offspring is higher. Your genes are passed down. If you spend more time learning how to fish, you'll get more fish and you'll survive. Yeah. And I think a lot of animals have empathy for a struggle. Like there's like cross species kind of like I've seen the fucking like, oh, what is it? A bear, a roll a turtle on its, because it's on its back, like fucking move a turtle. So it, it's on its four. four yeah. Feet. Yeah. Like you can, animals have a sense of like, oh, this thing's struggling. Right. Mm. And you do that with like almost in prey as well. If if you see a limping thing, a struggling thing, you're going to attack that thing first. Exactly. Or you if I see a struggle. dog that's hurt yeah. on the street, I'm going to help that dog, right? Yeah. That's What's training algorithm is, is that? That just, you know what struggle means. I can't answer that evolutionarily. There's no reason evolutionarily why the bear would help the turtle. None. Yeah. The bear but, could eat the turtle. But it, but it, knows, it knows struggle. Yeah. In no struggle, and it yeah, can do empathy. things with it. That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know where empathy comes. Sorry, I know where empathy comes from with your kin. I don't know where empathy comes from across, like, with unrelated individuals or with other species. But I think it's because it knows what struggle means, regardless of species. It yeah. knows something. It's in all species, not all species. But I'd like, argue that cross species or cross kin empathy arose from kin empathy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But That's it, where it, it came from. Yes, but it's there. Yeah, in, in it's our there. DNA. No, I'm not arguing to, it's not there. Yeah, yeah, to know struggle. And I think yeah. that's a beautiful thing of, about humanity that we should have. And using that as a barometer, you can feel for people who, who struggle to make art, to make a life for themselves as artists. And now it's just washed away because I think it can make something better than them. Right? Yeah. Better, uh, they uploaded all of art into this... Dude, you can, it's two gigs, two gigs, this model that I generate to, to make the, to make our, our art. Yeah. Two gigs, all of humanity's art in two gigs to generate any art effectively. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just two gigs of, of space. Uh, Are they just weights basically? Just weights. Wow. And like nuts that like how condensed humanity is in, in, in gigabytes. Yeah. And then fucking games, right? Games are like what, like thirty gigabytes? Yeah, now. huge, hundred gigabytes sometimes. Imagine attaching a model into a game, and that's all a game is. Like a model or a game could effectively be a model. Yeah. And maybe that issue it'll be in the future. Like, it will. Oh, it'll just be. It will be in the future. Yeah. It'll just be this one model generates everything. Yeah. Oh, I see. 
Well, man, I, I, I it's a, it's a, it's balancing progress and empathy, right? I think that's the balance. But yeah. progress is just as important as empathy, in my opinion. And yeah, I, you know, for Asmongold's like being canceled, he's not canceled. Of course, he's not canceled. Yeah, but you know, I think he just he used that it. word in his yeah, video yeah. today. Um, so. but he shouldn't. He should be well aware that that was going to cause shit because people are, are people have strong yeah. stances on this because people are getting screwed over because of it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll find a place in the future when all our jobs have been automated. Yeah, when you and I, you know, in a few years, have to figure out what we're going to do with our lives. Just put on some uh, Vaseline and around our lips, and then like, or oil. So then, like, when the, the robots come around with their the rock hard, yeah, rock hard members, members, we can just start start off. Yeah. You know, the New Year's solid, <laughs> solid, solid in your mouth. Well, yeah. Gonna, so yeah, so I'm going to end it with um uh with rust. Yeah. In our, uh, he was, talk- he was referring to a priest when, um, how priests have this sense of entitlement, their connection to God, right? And like how fucking, like, it, there's a certain huge sense of narcissism that a priest has. Yeah. And that you could have for life, right? And he goes, like, uh, surely this is, this is all for me, right? He's like, me, 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 this reality, all me, 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 I, 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 I'm so fucking important. <laughs> I'm so fucking important. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. And that applies to AI artists as well. Wait, who would say the what? That applies to any kind of AI artist as well. Like, yeah. don't feel entitled too much to your thing because life is happening around you. Yeah. Life is way bigger than you and your feelings way bigger. also. So if you're not going to, you can't fight it, accept it, that it's bigger than you, roll with it. So if you are a struggling person with AI or whatever, Adopt it. See how it feels to you. And then maybe you can improve. There are Go players. Um, Go has advanced, even chess. Uh, so they did analysis of like chess moves and Go moves uh, in the past like few years. And it's got way better. Like, it, like just, it just, like, there's a huge evolution in those games. And that's because of AI. Mm. They fought against AI. They, they found out why AI makes certain decisions and they adopt it into their system. If you are an AI artist, adopt it and then learn from it, get better. Yeah. Just get better. Adopt it and get better. Like like how chess players do it, how Go players do it. Just like every single thing, every single um, technological advancement, the best figured out how to use that advancement to the Use own. it, dude. Yeah. yeah, use it. Yeah. So don't be, I'm so fucking important. <laughs> I'm me, so fucking me, 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 me. I, 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 I'm so fucking important. <laughs> so fucking important. Fuck no. you. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, Nick. <laughs> Fuck you, Phil. All right, I'll see you. We'd like to end this podcast with a quote by Frederick Nietzsche. Our way is upward, from the species across to the super species. But the degenerate mind which says, all for me, is a horror to us. Thank you for tuning in to Chaos People and joining us as we embraced the chaos. You can find Chaos People on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts by searching for Chaos People. You can also find us on YouTube by searching for at Chaos People Podcast. That's an ampersand followed by Chaos People Podcast. If you'd like to support this podcast, please click on the donation links found either in the show notes 
or in the YouTube description. Currently, you can support this podcast via Patreon or via Spotify, which will directly help us buy more computing power to create better audio content and video content for the podcasts. You can also follow Chaos People on Twitter by searching for the handle at chaospeoplepod. You can email us at chaospeoplepodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate the podcast on whatever platform you choose. Thank you so much.